10, 9, ignition sequence start, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The Treehouse of Liberty podcast is hosted by Jason Fornwald and comes to you from the bright red corner of the bright blue state of Maryland. Hello once again ladies and gentlemen and welcome into the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your host Jason Fornwald and thank you so very much for deciding to join me once again. Unfortunately this has been all too commonplace, you know, coming back and apologizing to you guys for taking such an extended hiatus. I've done this a couple of times in the past and unfortunately I had to do it again and I appreciate those of you who stick with me very, very much. Um, your loyalty and continuing to be a part of what we do here um, it means more to me than I could possibly adequately express. Whenever you have a, a small podcast like mine that doesn't have um, some of the bigger vehicles to advertise it that the major podcasts have, it's important that you broadcast on a regular schedule. And the reason for that is people will check to see if there's a new episode up. They might check a second time. And once they've done that, you know, they pretty much give up and go away. And you guys haven't done that. And that means a lot to me. Um, I hope that you're getting some good information out of this. I know that I'm getting excellent feedback from you. And I feel like we really have kind of a, a give and take that isn't possible on some of the larger programs, you know, I feel we have more of a community here than, you know, me preaching at you guys. I wouldn't want to listen to myself preach. So, you know, I certainly wouldn't expect anybody else to. I really enjoy having this format and being able to interact with you guys this way and having some good guests on and, and really getting deep into some uh, very important topics that are occurring right now. Um, I like hearing back from you guys. I like being able to incorporate your ideas into the show. Um, and it really, it really does feel like a kind of a, a clubhouse kind of atmosphere in the treehouse. Um, you know, it's, it's not my show, it's our show. And I know I tell you guys that all the time, but that's how I really feel. I, I like having a small community here as opposed to, you know, the, the giant podcasts that have hundreds of thousands or in some cases millions of listeners, um, you know, th those are all well and good and they all serve their purpose for sure. But I, I don't think you can be as attentive to each other as we can be here in a smaller setting. Um, and I, I'm not going to tell you that I will try to do better recording on a weekly basis. I've told you guys that before and I haven't always been able to live up to that. I kind of pride myself on being someone who doesn't make promises that he can't keep. Um, not saying I can't keep that one, but I haven't in the past. And I'm a little reluctant to do that now just because I don't want to let you guys down. And I, I certainly don't want to tell you something that's not true. That all out of the way, um, I need to once again give my sincere thanks to my good friend Chris Blakeman. As you guys know, he is the host of a podcast called Ben Speaks. Um, he's kind of gently prodded me to get back into the uh, podcast game and record some new episodes, and I appreciate that. You know, I was 
feeling a little bit run down, both in terms of, you know, my personal life where I've been so busy and also, um, in terms of some of the things that are happening in the country and with Chris's help, I've kind of realized that those are the times that I need to be active and I need to be vocal and I need to be recording new episodes. Um, if everything's going smoothly, there's not a whole lot to talk about. You know, we could get into discussing our founding and our founders and those things. And certainly I do like to do that. But this show tends to be more about current events and what's happening right now. And even though it may be frustrating to discuss those things sometimes, I think those are the moments that this actually needs to be done. And... Before I get into some of the things that um, are frustrating a lot of us right now, I, I need to address something that should make us all very happy. And, and for me personally, it makes me absolutely ecstatic. I don't know if you guys have been following the case in Randolph Township, New Jersey, where the school board decided unilaterally that it was going to remove all of the holidays from the school calendar. Um, Christmas, Easter... Ramadan, Rosh Hashanah, you know, it didn't matter what it was, what faith, they were just going to take everything off the calendar and call everything holiday one, holiday two, holiday three, you know, thing one, thing two, whatever. Um, and the parents in Randolph Township flooded the open school board meetings and many, many parents signed up to speak. And parent after parent, you know, explained why those things should not be removed from the calendar, including the fact that when we celebrate holidays, it gives us all the opportunity to learn. You know, Christian kids going to a public school, whenever Ramadan comes up on the calendar, teacher, what's this? You know, what, what do they celebrate? What do Muslims do? You know, and vice versa, you know, a Jewish kid, hey, you know, what's... What's this Christmas thing all about? You know, and of course, most Americans know what Christmas is, whether they celebrate or not. But you understand my point. It gives us the opportunity to learn about and embrace and understand the cultural differences that we have. We are very fortunate in the United States of America to have an extremely diverse population. Um, from the indigenous people here to Hispanic immigrants to African Americans to Caucasians to you name it. You, know, you, you can literally name any country in the world and they are represented right here in the United States and, and very proudly so. Um, I do take a little exception with the term melting pot because a melting pot takes a number of different metals and combines them into one. Um, and the original ingredients can't really be discerned. Um, that is not the case in the United States. And quite frankly, I don't want it to be the case in the United States. You know, I don't want everyone to come here and have to assimilate to Christianity. I don't want everyone to come here and have to be a conservative. You know, I wouldn't complain if they did, but, you know, I don't want a homogenous population. And I, I don't think most of us do. I think we appreciate our differences and we celebrate our differences. And there are some kind of fabricated differences that I think a lot of us take exception to. But, 
you know, to each his own, you know, as long as what you're doing doesn't hurt me or, or my family or my friends, God bless you, do whatever you want. You know, if a man wants to marry another man, hey, go for it. You know, I've gotten to a point in life where I have things to actually worry about, you know, I mean, I, I, I worry about bills. I worry about family members. I worry about friends dealing with illness. You know, I, I worry about all kinds of things that are legitimate and important in my life. You know, what another person does in his or her bedroom doesn't concern me. There was a time in my life where I was anti-gay marriage. You know, I was very much in support of the traditional family. And it's not that I don't support traditional families now. I certainly do. But, you know, I realized that people are different. And that it's not my business to, t to tell somebody else how to live. And especially in the case of homosexuality, I, there's no way I could change my sexuality. It's not possible. You know, I, I can't wake up one morning and decide, okay, you know what, I like men now. And so it's difficult for me to believe that, you know, a homosexual man chooses to be homosexual. I mean, why would you choose to make your life more difficult? And we are still at a point in our national history where homosexuality does make your life more difficult. They, you know, homosexual people have protections of the law and are able to get married and have insurance and property rights and all of those things, and that's wonderful. But there are still those members of our society who kind of shun that lifestyle. And I hesitate to even call it a lifestyle. I mean, I think our sexuality is something that's a part of us. I think it's something that we're born with. You know, certainly I was born a heterosexual male. So as I said, I find it difficult to believe that other people get to choose their sexuality. I mean, I don't know. I can't prove that. But it stands to follow reason and logic. Um, but I'm, I'm drifting away from the, the actual point, And that is that they, the people of Randolph Township, New Jersey did exactly what we're supposed to do in this country. They stood up peacefully. They made their voices heard. They told their elected representatives how things were going to be and reminded those elective repre elected representatives that they are employees of the citizenry and elected to represent them. And as a result, the school calendar in Randolph Township is going to remain exactly the way it is now. It's going to have Christmas. It's going to have Easter. It's going to have Rosh Hashanah. It's going to have Ramadan. It's going to have all of those holidays that we have always traditionally recognized. And that occurred because they, the people, stood up, made their demands known. They did so in a peaceful fashion which is the way those things should happen. And they made it work. They affected change. And I believe that's what our founders wanted. I believe that's how they wanted our system to work. When they drew up the Declaration of Independence, 
They said that we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They gave the power to the people and recognized that that power comes inherently from God and you receive it simply by being a human being. And I believe that's the way that it should be. They enshrined in our Constitution that our government is created by and for the people of the United States. The same kind of average, ordinary people who stood up in Randolph Township and said, no, this isn't what we want. And this is not what you're going to do. Again, they reminded those elected officials who they work for, which is beautiful. And I, I think that's what needs to happen at every level of our government. We're, we're one of the few, maybe the only, country in the world where our founding documents give the power to the people. Not to a king, not to a ruler, not to a dictator, not even to a president in Congress, not to a Supreme Court. That power, my friends, is bestowed upon you and I. It's bestowed on the people of Randolph. It's bestowed on the people who have children in every school system in this country. It's bestowed on the people of our cities, our counties, our states, and our federal government. It's set up for you and I. And I feel like a lot of times we lose sight of that. As some of you know, I was, until we folded, the Maryland State Public Relations Officer for the Three Percenters original. And that was a position I was extremely proud to hold. I regularly contacted our senators and our congressmen and our state representatives, our governor, and explained to them that, one, we were a peaceful group. You know, that, that was in the charter. No first use of force. I never saw it. There never was any of it. And anyone who said anything about it was immediately removed from the group. We were a group of like-minded constitutional patriots. And where we believe the Constitution was being violated, we made our representatives aware of that and respectfully demanded that it stop. And we, as people of the United States, are permitted to make those respectful demands. Again, the people that represent us are our employees. We're the ones that put them in their position. They work for us. And we need to remember that. And we need to exercise the rights that we have in that regard. I was so disappointed. I mean, I, I, was, I was truly heartbroken when the Three Percenters original folded. And we did that because we were being completely misrepresented nationwide. We were being accused of being terrorists. We were being accused of storming the Capitol. 
None of our members were there, by the way. And these false accusations led some of us in leadership positions to start to talk to each other about RICO statutes, where because of an accusation, a member of a group can be tried and or convicted by association. It's the way a lot of mob families are brought down. You might not, the government might not be able to prove that a particular person committed a homicide or extortion or any of those things, but since he's a member of the group, he's guilty by association and we lock him up too. And once we started to realize that, we started to lose members slowly at first. And then uh, Caleb Hill, our national leader, decided that it was time to shut everything down. And that's what we had to do. And I apologize for producer Zoe in the background. I thought I could just hear, hear her on my headset, but apparently you guys can hear her too. Um, my Norwegian elk hound always has something to say. And hopefully that will be it because we're about... 17 minutes deep now, and I really don't want to record this all over again. I made it about 22 minutes before she did the same thing the last time. Um, but anyway, I am of the belief that we need another group like the Three Percenters original. I'm not talking about the Three Percenters that you see on TV that our government leaders condemn. You know, those people who use violence and or threats of violence and intimidation to try to affect political change. If you use violence to affect political change, you are by definition a terrorist. That is the definition of terrorism legally. Um, but I think we need to network to get together to ensure that the vision that our founders have for this country is protected in perpetuity. I think that we can do that. I think that we can associate. We have the legal right to do that. You know, peaceful assembly provided for in the Constitution, First Amendment. We have the right to speak freely. And, you know, if we're not people who would be talking about terrorism and talking about violence, it's completely legal for us to say anything that we want. You know, I'm fortunate enough to live in a country where I can say my president is an idiot. And I believe he is. And I have no fear of going to prison tonight for saying that. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's something that that a lot of us take for granted, I think. You know, we're we're so used to having those rights that we don't really stop and consider how fortunate we are to have them. And we are. But I, I think we need to do, as a nation, as conservatives, as patriots, as people who care deeply about this country and its future, I think we need to band together under a name that's not already corrupted by someone else. Exchange our ideas. Petition our government for a redress of grievances. First Amendment, again. You know. And, and stand up and fight back. 
whether it's critical race theory, whether it's the border, you know, whatever it is, whatever these idiotic decisions being taken by our governments are, we have the right, and I think since we have the right, we have the responsibility to stand up and say no. To say that we believe differently. To say that you're not going to fill my kid's head with garbage. To say that we believe we know what the founders intended. Here's what we think. Here's why we believe you're wrong. Here's why we think the stupid For the People Act which is as much of a misnomer as anything else that sounds great that the federal government names. The Patriot Act, the Affordable Care Act, you know, all those things sound spectacular. You know, but I think it's great that the the For the People Act has been halted at this point. It essentially was a plan by Democrats to federalize our elections. You know, the national elections would be run by the federal government. That's not what our founders intended. Our founders gave the states the right to determine how they would select their nominee. And we've seen what happens in an election where the federal government takes charge of things. You know, you saw how hard they fought the recount in Arizona. Look, you know, I get it. Your guy won, allegedly, reportedly. Your guy won. You know, you don't want stuff recounted because you don't want anything that would demonstrate that, oh, maybe there was some irregularities and maybe he didn't win. Or maybe it was a whole lot closer than you thought it was. But, you know, I, I don't know. If, if you're an Olympic athlete, you know, and you're running the 100 meters and you finish first and you're clearly first by a step, maybe two steps, and the judge comes to you and says, hey, you know, we, we called you the winner, but we want to go back and look at it. If you know you won the race, no problem, judge, have at it. If you have any question about, whoa, 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 you told me I won. We don't need to look at anything. We don't need to go back and check it out. If you're the winner and if you beat down Donald Trump as much as you say you did, if you really did get the most votes in the recorded history of this country, hell yeah, recount it all. Go for it. I want you to. I'm going to end up with 82 or 84 or 700 million. And he could end up with 700 million, depending on you know how many dead Democrats voted. But to me, if you won and you know you won, Recount all you want. No problem. If you have something to hide or you think maybe you didn't win, whoa, whoa, we're not going to do that. No, nope. And that's what our federal government is trying to do. And forgive my producers again. They're driving me insane today. I can't yell at them because I respect you guys too much to do that. Um... But yeah, I mean, you see what happens when the federal government gets in charge. And, and oddly enough, our founders knew if they had too much power, 
This is exactly what was going to happen. And that's why they delegated it to the states. That's why they allowed the states to make their own decisions. They didn't want it all to be in the charge of the federal government. They know absolute power corrupts absolutely. And it does and it has. You know, and they say, oh, the we for the People Act, you know, Republicans shut that down because they don't want everybody to be able to vote. And they want to take away the rights of minorities and they want to do this and they want to do that. No, Republicans understand the Constitution. Republicans know how things are set up. Republicans want us to abide by the law of the land. Including on the border where the federal government has a constitutional responsibility to secure it. Commander-in-Chief dereliction. Vice President, I can't be bothered to go there. I forget who it was. I was watching somebody on TV, a pundit, and I, can't, I wish I could remember the person's name. It might have been Cat Tim, if I'm not absolutely sure. But this person said, Kamala Harris is what you get when you pick a vice presidential candidate based solely on plumbing and race. And it's true. She is completely outmatched. She's completely out of her league. She's completely derelict in taking care of the border crisis. Of course, now that Donald Trump's going down this week, oh, suddenly Kamala has time to go to the border. I don't anticipate the federal government finally doing its job down there, but at least she's going to make an appearance 800 miles away in El Paso. (laughs) I mean, it's like... Because we can't have the vice president and her photo ops with people coming across the border. Which if she actually went down there is what would be happening. Now the Secret Service probably told her she's not allowed to go. Because they know it's such an unmitigated, complete and total disaster. And her responsibility. And Joe Biden's responsibility. And the federal government's responsibility. I feel so badly for the men and women of the Border Patrol who bust their ass every day to keep us safe. With no support from the federal government. But isn't that so incredibly typical of modern Democrats? Because you see exactly the same thing happening in our major cities. Defund the police. All cops are racist. We need to get rid of them all. They're all terrible. You know, all the citizens that live in our inner cities are perfect and they're swell and they're wonderful people. It's the cops that are causing the problems. Is it? Because the last time I checked, murders in Portland, where the defund the police movement is running rampant, are up 533%. Not 5.3, 533%. You don't want to support law enforcement? No problem. Because the problem is going to take care of itself. Eventually, the problem won't have enough people to continue causing the problem. They'll all be dead. And it's high time we start to admit what the problem actually is. The problem is black gangbangers in our major cities. Not all black people, an incredibly small minority. But they are black gangbangers in our major cities. Did you see the execution-style murder in Chicago this past week? 
Puerto Rican man and woman drug out of their car in front of their children by black men who I have to assume are probably gangbangers and racists because there was a Puerto Rican flag on the car. Drug them both out of the vehicle, beat the woman and then shot her. And the man tried to protect her. They shot him in the head execution style and killed him. I failed to see the gun leap out of the car on its own and skip its little self across the lot or across the road and to hover up off the ground and shoot these two people. You know, we talk about race in every other instance. If it's white on black, there's zero chance in hell we won't talk about race. It's high time we start to do this the other way. It's high time we start to worry about kids like Legend Talaferro. Who was the reason behind Operation Legend. He was a four-year-old kid. Sleeping in his bed in Chicago. When a gangbanger's bullet ripped through his house and killed him in his sleep. A four-year-old kid. It was the Trump administration that started Operation Legend in his honor to ensure that these little black kids who are doing nothing wrong aren't murdered for living in the wrong place. Again, I wasn't there, but I have to assume that the gun didn't hop its way across the street and jump up and knock out Legend's window and crawl over to his bed and shoot him. We need to talk about the problem. Just this past weekend in Chicago, 38 shootings, 54 total people shot, 8 dead. This is not happening in Caucasian suburbia. It is not. Do white people shoot each other sometimes? Of course they do. Are there stupid, ignorant, worthless, useless, destructive, homicidal, garbage white people? Absolutely there are. And damn them too. But look at where the bulk of the problem is. And don't tell me, oh, it's poverty. It's the situation. Is it really? Because I don't see this happening in southern West Virginia where everybody's white and everybody has a fucking excuse my language, has a United States Army-sized arsenal in their house. Why didn't it happen there? It doesn't. It is time for us to be honest. To stop being politically correct, to stop only talking about race in certain situations when it's white on black. It's time for us to put up the picture of the man who murdered legend Talaferro. Let's see what color he is. We know, we're just not allowed to say it. And don't you dare. Don't you dare tell me you care about black lives when this crap is going on every weekend in every one of our major cities. And the offenders and the victims are the same color and they don't look like me. Be honest. Be honest. Care about our fellow Americans. 
You know, we've got lots of major problems in our inner cities. We've got problems everywhere. We have major problems in our inner cities. Our kids should not be dying from gunfire every weekend in the same communities. You want to tell me Black Lives Matter? Hold up your signs and tell me to say Legends, Nate. Because I will, right beside you. If you want to make up crap about cops, you know, if, if you want to pretend they're the problem, if you want to pretend that they're the ones that are actually killing black people, I, I can't support you. If you want to tackle the actual problem, if you want to solve the actual problem, let's do that. And once we've done that, by all means, I'll talk to you about law enforcement. Because you'll have demonstrated to me that black lives actually do matter. Right now, they don't. And they don't matter to black people. Or Democrats. Why are we the ones that care? They're out there burning cities and looting and injuring people and murdering cops. We're the ones that actually care about them. You know, we're in the best place we've ever been as a country. Every single opportunity that's available to me is available to any woman, any Hispanic, any black American, any indigenous person, any Asian person, anyone from anywhere. If you're a U.S. citizen, you can be president of the United States, period, end of story. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your faith is. Your sexuality doesn't even matter. We've got homosexual members of Congress. And good. Good. I want the same opportunities to be available to literally everyone. And this is the first time in our history we've been able to proudly say that we provide that. I'm not saying forget our past. We should never forget our past. Ownership of human beings was legal when this country was founded. That is disgusting. My favorite founder, Thomas Jefferson, owned over 100 slaves. That is disgusting. Far more recently than that, we had segregation. Segregation was disgusting. But those days are over. My generation, your generation, is the generation that has provided more opportunities to more different people than any other country on planet Earth ever. Yeah, sure, I'll talk about slavery. I'll talk about segregation. No problem. I'll admit they were horrible atrocities. But it's time for you to admit that everyone having the same opportunity in this country, which we finally do, is hellaciously incredible progress in a very short period of time. And 230 couple years is a very short period of time in the history of the country.
don't forget who we were. But don't fail to praise who we are. And so that's going to do it for another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for a little bit of your time once again. I tell you guys all the time that time is the most precious commodity that we have while we're on this planet. And I thank you sincerely for a little bit of yours. You know, I always like to hear from you guys. Uh, you can reach me at treehouseoflibertymedia at gmail.com, treehouseoflibertymedia at gmail.com, or on Twitter at treehouse1776, at treehouse1776. And if Facebook hasn't shut us down for telling the truth yet, the Treehouse of Liberty podcast on Facebook. And I will tell you guys eventually how I came up with that name. I know it's extremely creative. But once again, ladies and gentlemen, I have been your host, as always, Jason Fornwalt. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, take care.